Okay, Matthew, I'm sorry, chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. And we read in this section, in verse 19, we had talked a little bit about it last week, but let me pick up again in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You know, he talks about in verse 22 and verse 23, and he makes the analogy to the eye. And he says, if your eye is messed up, your, your whole body is going to be full of darkness. And the context of this is getting our priorities right when it comes to money. If we don't have this right, it will bring darkness into our lives. And in that same context, he goes into verse 25. It says, for this reason I say to you. Why does he say for this reason? Some, some scriptures translate it as therefore. For this reason. For what reason? For the reason of the issues that I had just talked about. Keeping your eye clear and your life clear of this love of money. Because you can't serve God and money. He says, for this reason in verse 25, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor do they reap, nor gather into the barns. And your your heavenly Father leads them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, neither do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory... did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In the context of His telling us to be free from the love of money, and as we saw in in 2 Timothy chapter 6 last week, that it is not money in itself that is bad, but it is the love of money that it says is the root of all sorts of evil, the love of money. And it says that we've brought nothing into the world and we're going to take nothing out of the world. And how we have to be free of that or we are going to be stung with many pains if we don't get this right. Let's turn again there. 2 Timothy. It's uh, uh, in, in, in 2 Timothy. So just before you hit Hebrews, there's one short book. And then 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 
Uh, actually, it's not Second Timothy. It's First Timothy, chapter six. First Timothy, chapter six. It says in verse six, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. First Timothy six six. Now verse seven. For we have brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and have pierced pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness and godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And then in verse 18 of the same chapter, Instruct them who are rich in this world, instruct them to be good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So if if people have money, the instruction is be very, very generous. But you're not to long for that. Looking back in Matthew chapter 6, it talks about this cure frank anxiety. He talks about the worries of this world and the worries that people have. You know, in the Scripture, God promises to take care of us. He promises us food. He promises us clothing. Did you know He never promises us a house? He never does. So if we have a house, we are, to be, we are extra blessed. In fact, even Jesus said, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. He had no home. He had no house. With food and clothing, the Scriptures say, God will supply us. Anything else beyond this is extra grace. And then he says in verse 33, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The whole priority is being focused in on the kingdom of God. I have seen many men... Always conniving. Believers, always conniving. Seeing how they can, they can cheat a little bit more on their income tax. How they can get out of a little bit more. And I look at their lives over a period of decades. I have watched their lives. And they really have quite frustrating lives. As soon as they get hold of something, it slips out of their hands. And it gives their family the whole wrong priorities. Always trying to cheat to get something more. The Scriptures say you are to be focused on the Kingdom of God. Now, how can I do that? I am not in full-time ministry. When I get up in the morning, I must be focused on the Kingdom of God. And God happens to look at that and He says, I'm going to add all these things to you. He will take care of me if I focus in on the Kingdom of God. It says in Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the entire earth to strongly support those whose heart is completely His. This is where the eyes of God are. Strongly supporting those whose heart is completely His. You want God's support? You want God's eye upon you to constantly be supporting you? Let your heart be His. The love of money is very, very deceptive. And I think almost most deceptive for those in ministry. 
almost most deceptive for those in ministry. If I look at the pattern, and I'm not going to pick on any individual, because there's many men of God out there that are great men of God who actually speak a very different word than I am teaching you. But this is the pattern I see in the Scriptures. I will not teach you what other men teach unless I see it in the Scriptures. I do not see men getting rich off the Gospel in the Scriptures. I just don't see it. I see them having very good lives, but I do not see them becoming wealthy. I see them becoming great servants of God and having good lives. Philip, the evangelist, in Acts chapter 8, is going and he's preaching the gospel and he preaches the gospel in Samaria. And then he goes and he preaches to an Ethiopian. And before that, he was waiting on tables at, at, at the request of the apostles. This is the... Philip the Evangelist, and then in Acts chapter 21, it speaks 20 years later of the life of Philip the Evangelist. It says he had a home. It says he had four daughters, and every one of those daughters was a virgin. And they were all prophetesses, meaning that they were active in the church and active in ministry. And he had a home because it says Paul visited his home in Acts chapter 21. This is the blessing that God gives. This is the blessing that I see in the Scriptures for service to God. Is I see the blessings upon men's lives. Of family. Of home. Of stability in the church. This is what comes in the Scriptures. Money can be very deceptive. Let's look at an instance in the Scriptures. And begin to study that. 2 Kings chapter 5. You have in the Old Testament... The book of 2 Kings. So if you find Chronicles, just before that, you'll find the book of Kings, First and 2 Kings, returning to 2 Kings, chapter 5. And there was a prophet in Israel, in 2 Kings, chapter 5. And there was a man that is going to discuss, and this man's name was Naaman, in 2 Kings, chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the army of Aram, was a great man with his master and highly respected because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. Now let me explain to you, Aram was not of the kingdom of Israel. This was north of the kingdom of Israel. This was a foreign nation. And there was a great man, a great general in that nation. His name was Naaman. And the Lord had given Naaman great victories. So even foreign nations have great victories because of the grace of God. Verse 2. Now the Arameans had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went in and told his master, Thus and thus spoke the girl who was from Israel. Then the king of Aram said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold and ten changes of clothes. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now, as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Now when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of leprosy? But consider now how he is seeking a quarrel against me. And it happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king 
of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent word to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came down with his horses and his chariots, and he stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan River seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. So you see that, that Naaman went to the house of Elisha. Elisha didn't even come out. Didn't even come out to him. Just sent his servant, Gehazi, and said, Tell him to go dip himself in the river seven times in the river Jordan, and he shall be clean. And Gehazi goes and delivers the message. And Naaman is furious. It says in verse 11, Naaman was furious and he went out. He said, Behold, I thought surely he would come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abna and, and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away in rage. Then his servants came to him and spoke to him and said, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. So this great general was made clean by the word that came from Elisha, the prophet. It's interesting, he wanted to do something great. And he was told to dip himself like a little baby in the Jordan seven times. You know, many times the Word of God to us is a very simple thing. And we don't want to obey it because we think it's too simple. It couldn't be important. But it is those who are faithful in the little things that shall be given much. It is faithfulness in the little things that will bring much in your life. Verse 15. And when he returned to the man of God with all his company, and he came and he stood before him and he said, Behold now, I know that there is a God in all the earth. But in, there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. So please take this present from your servant now. But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will take nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Elisha refused to take a gift from Naaman. Naaman bought, brought silver, talents of silver, shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothes as a gift. And Elisha would have absolutely nothing to do with it. He refused to take money for serving God. If you are in full-time ministry, this is your sustenance. But there will be even occasions then when you need to refuse it. But if you're not in full-time ministry, I urge you, do not be a burden on the church. Do not be a burden on the church. Let God support you through your normal salary. I say with great thankfulness that I have never taken a nickel in my life for service to the Lord. I've been invited to many big churches that always want to give me an honorarium. I will not touch their money. And I say, if it is required that I take money from you, I will not speak in your church. And I refuse to give them my social security number because they want to be able to write me a 1099 form because I know that this is their plan. And I don't take it. Because I will not take a nickel for the Lord's service. The Lord has provided for me through another mechanism. And you say, well, you know, you're one of the richest professors on campus or something. I'm not sure if that's the case. But remember, I started out with a salary. My first salary as an assistant professor was $32,000 a year. And I had a Ph.D. and two years of postdoctoral training. And I started at $32,000 a year. And sometimes those honoraria looked really sweet. 
but I would not touch the Lord's money. And I believe that the Lord has blessed me many times over because of this. And I thank God for my wife that never said to me, take the money. You will be greatly blessed if you learn how to set in proper order the things of your life. Be gracious in giving and be very slow to take. The man of God would not take money. And so it says that in verse 28, I'm sorry, in verse 20 of the same chapter, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 20, But Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, thought, Behold, my master has spared this name in the Aramean by not receiving from his hands what he has brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw one running after him, he came down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is it well? And he said, It is well. My master has sent me, saying, Behold, now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the hill, from Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothes. Naaman said, Be pleased to take two talents. And he urged him. He, actually, he says, Give him a talent of silver and two changes of clothes. And Naaman said, Be pleased to take two talents. And he urged him. And he bound two talents of silver in two bags and two changes of clothes. And he gave them to two of his servants and they carried them before him. So Gehazi, without getting permission from Elisha, went and took some money from this man Naaman. And this wasn't, you know, a little pouch like this. It took two servants to carry all of this stuff. So you're talking about big pouches of silver. Two of them. And changes of clothes. This is not like clothes from the year 2006 that are about two ounces. These are huge changes of clothes, which were a big deal back then. And they carry them. In verse 24, And when they came to the hill, he took them from their hand and deposited them in a house, and he sent the men away, and they departed. But when he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant went nowhere. Then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothes and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female servants? Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. Gehazi took money for service to the Lord. And it says that when he took that money, he said, you know, well, really what I want to be able to do is give it to other prophets. And Elisha called him on it. He says, is it time to receive money and to receive clothes and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female servants? You see, Elisha knew well what was in Gehazi's heart. Once he received all that silver, his plan was to get a ranch and retire. And to get male and female servants and vineyards and oxen. One could argue, well, it would have been good for the Lord's work. Let me tell you, the Lord doesn't need your stinking money. He really doesn't. You know, I've heard many people say, you know, if I made a lot of money, I would get 90% of the Lord and live on 10% of it. You would not. You are a liar. Or you are so foolish that you do not understand yourself. If that were true, the Lord would give it to you. Most of us could never manage a lot. It would draw us astray. Men, by longing for it, have stung themselves with many pains. 
If the Lord should bless you with money, praise God. Learn to be generous and full of good works for the Lord. But our intent, the Scriptures tell us, and Jesus is quite clear on this, is for His kingdom and His righteousness. So that when you wake up in the morning, it is not, let me hit this thing and make a ton of money today. It is, Lord, how can I serve you? And you say, is that how we're supposed to be? Absolutely. This is how we are called to be. And the vast majority of believers in this country have it so backwards and so warped. And this is why we rise up in the morning and we get on our knees before God and we say, God, have mercy on me because I am a sinner. And Jesus cries out in Mark when he sees the widow giving her little mite in Mark chapter 12. Gospel of Mark chapter 12. When he sees the widow giving her little bit of money in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. Mark chapter 12, verse 42. And a poor widow put in two small copper coins, which amounts to a penny. Calling his disciples, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they put in out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned and all she had to live on. When we learn to give out of our very sustenance, that is when it counts. That is when it really counts. And we have this feeling like, oh, I want to you know, be a member of such and such a country club so I can sit on my fat butt and get iced tea served to me all day and get my nails done and complain the tea doesn't come fast enough and then I'll give to the Christian ministry and everybody will look good at me because I've given a ton of money to the church. And God says you can keep your stinking money. What He wants is our heart. There is nothing particularly wrong with a country club. It is what we do with our hearts. And this is why we wake up in the morning and set our hearts right before God and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, because our hearts are sick. They are really sick. And God says our hearts are supposed to be focused in on His kingdom and His righteousness. And I battle with my flesh all the time. Am I more concerned about my career or about His kingdom and His righteousness? Father, give me love for these people. Give me love for these students. Give me compassion for them. Let me speak the Word of God when I sit next to somebody on the airplane. How can I keep my mouth shut? Father, give me your desires. This is where we've got to be. And Jesus said, this is His kingdom and His righteousness. And this is what He calls us to. It is something deeper than what the world has dropped before us. And because of this, it causes us, it says in Matthew chapter 6, it causes, it causes us to be worried all the time. And Jesus said, just remember, I will take care of you. If you get these priorities right, right, you will never go hungry, and you will never go thirsty, and you will never go naked. That I guarantee you. Anything beyond this, He has not guaranteed us. He has not guaranteed you a house. And I have been caught in that trap I remember when I came out of my postdoc and I was going to buy a home. And we were going to buy our first home and the thing fell through. And I was all upset and all dejected that we were going to have to move in yet another apartment. And then God got a hold of my heart. When did I ever even promise you an apartment? 
He never even promises us a covering for our head. Remember, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. Whatever we have is the absolute grace of God. And people graduate and think, I deserve a new car. You deserve nothing. You deserve absolutely nothing. You deserve to walk like Jesus did. You don't deserve a new car. If God should bless you with a new car, good for you. God bless you. But it's not like, I deserve it. For what? For going through school on mommy and daddy's money? For what? We don't deserve anything. God is so good to us. And we get our priorities all mixed up. And Jesus said, get these things right. Get these things right with God. You are to be focused on His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these other things He said He'll take care of. You know, I see these interviews all the time with movie stars. They have all the fame, all the fortune, tons of money, and they're always going through alcoholic clinics, trying to get freed of their alcohol and drug clinics, and their families are a disaster, and they're always talking about it, how their lives are such a mess. And they're sitting in the psychiatrist's office, nobody ever does anything for me. And then you look at Mother Teresa, how she poured her life out, had absolutely nothing, took a vow of poverty, of chastity, and service to the poor, and never did she feel without. She was always giving everything she had, and she felt overflowing. Never did she feel without. Never did she sit on the psychiatrist's couch getting counseled, why isn't the world helping me? Because she felt filled to overflowing because she had the grace of God in her life. It is when we give out of service that we are filled. When we serve, we are filled. And this is why we start each day, we are to start each day on our knees before God, saying, God, have mercy on me because my heart is wicked. And let me start this day right. And then Jesus says, if your eye is bad, your whole body is going to be full of darkness. In this very context, if you don't get this money issue right, your whole life will be out of focus. And it's going to bring darkness on your whole life. And it's going to mess up your kids. It's going to mess up your family. They're going to feel like entitled kids if you don't get this thing right. And I see it. I see it here in Houston. I meet all these rich families. And these kids don't want to work at all because they feel like, well, when mom and dad die, I'm going to have a ton of stuff. And I say, well, shame on you. Shame on you. And shame on your parents for leaving that to you. They never should. Let them put it in a trust and give it to a Christian organization. Because it messes people up. If you don't get this right, it brings darkness, Jesus says. And that's why he says, but you're to seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. What things? Big house, big car, big... No! Food and clothing will be added to you. I will make sure you get food and clothing. And the message of our country is, seek his kingdom and His righteousness and you will have a big house and lots of servants and a big swimming pool and a jet to fly around and a great country club. That's not the message I see here. The message I see in the Scriptures is that He guarantees us food and clothing and a good life free of anxiety, free of this pain of always worrying about many other things if we get His kingdom right. So what is the action plan for us? What should we do? You and I are to be involved in Christian service. You say, well, I'm busy. I'm a student. Well, get used to it. You will only get busier. And I meet all sorts of people who say, well, when I'm out of school, I'll have a little time. You won't have a little time. You'll have less time. You get involved in Christian service. 
a couple of hours a week in Christian service. And that is more than attending a crusade meeting or a BSM meeting or an IV meeting. That is participating in some way where you have to get prayed up and you have to go and set up and you have to do things that participate in some way where you stand in front of people. And if you play an instrument, you play that instrument for the glory of God. If you speak, you stand and you speak for the glory of God. You do a little Bible study that causes you to have to get on your knees and say, God, I don't think I can do this. That's exactly where He wants you. In the position where you feel like you can't do it. That is the perfect position. If you feel like you can do this without much trouble, it's the wrong job for you. We are to be in a place, like Paul says, I came to you in weakness and in trembling. If you look at the prophets when they were called, they said, I'm too weak for this. And God would come and He'd touch their mouth. He says, don't say you're too weak. I filled you. But our feeling constantly is that we're inadequate for the task. And let God make you adequate. And teach that little Bible study. That is Christian service. That is putting His kingdom first. That means as careers come before you and job offers come, that you get on your knees, you spread them out before the Lord and you say, God, show me where is it that I should be? What is it that I should be doing? You lay these things out before the Lord and let Him impress these things upon you. It means that when you're thinking about a spouse, that you go and you seek counsel from others as well. It means that you go and you counsel with your parents, and you go and you submit, submit these things to them. This is seeking His kingdom and His righteousness, so that you're not just enamored with the big handsome guy that comes along, and drawn away by these things. That other people will see, does this guy really love the Lord? Let them help to discern something for you. Be involved in Christian service and in coming before Him. And getting this issue of money right. And then He says, you don't have to worry about all these other things. And that way, if you lose this and that, it's not a big deal. Because it's committed to the Lord. And if He should bless you with money, praise God. But your heart is not to be fixed on that. You cannot serve God and money. I cannot serve God and wealth, the Scriptures say. Jesus said it emphatically. And this is what He says here. He says, we worry all about this. He says, you don't have to worry about this. It's going to care for itself. If you get my kingdom and my righteousness... You know, the world is so unstable. I see people worrying about... You know, there's going to be some, some nuclear bombs going to explode. You know, some terrorists are going to... Maybe they will. I don't know. But I know God's going to take care of me. And God will take care of my family. But you know, He never says that He's going to give me physical protection my whole life. At some point, I'm going to die. But I live with Him forever. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He who believes in me shall not perish. It says that... that, that that whoever believes in me shall live even if he dies. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die, Jesus said. He who lives and believes in me shall never die. I know that there is life eternal in Christ. And all these worries and all these concerns about terrorists and wars and World War III and, and all these problems, we can absolutely be free of this. And, and uh, anthrax coming in the mail and all these other things. We don't have to live like the Gentiles live. He says in verse 32, For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, but your Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. 
When we focus in on the kingdom of God, it gives us tremendous relief. Tremendous relief. Because we cannot predict the future. We cannot care always for the ones that we love. I mean, your wife has to go drive the car someplace. She may get killed. She might. I mean, things like that happen. But you've got to commit them to the Lord and say, Lord, she's in your hands. You give them over to the Lord and there's this tremendous sense of relief. Jesus said, I've come to help you with your anxiety problems. Learn to put my kingdom and my righteousness first and you will be free. You will really be free of these problems that so plague the world. It is out of service that we are given these things. Out of service to God, we are granted these things. Let's pray. Father, I thank You that Your Word is so clear. There is no other way to read this. Father, I thank You that Your Word promises us food and clothing. And Your Word says that godliness is a means to great gain when it is accompanied by contentment. Father, thank You for all that You give us. Father, I pray for these young people that they would get this right, that their hearts would not remain dim because their eyes are unclear. Father, I pray that they would get this issue of money right. And Father, that they would so get this right in their hearts that they would be free from the love of money. And Father, I pray that You give them a heart of service, that they would serve You, Your kingdom, and Your righteousness. And seek that. Seek to be right with You every day. Father, I pray that You would cause them to be seekers of Your kingdom and of Your righteousness. And in that way, be free of the anxiety which so plagues the world around us. Father, that they would be free of the anxiety of the instability of this world even. Because their heart is on You. Father, I pray that You'd get a hold of our hearts because our hearts are wicked and have mercy on us and protect us. And Father, I pray for these young people as they grow and as they mature and get jobs and careers that they would remember this Word and be generous and be giving to the point of taking from their very sustenance because then does it count that they would be gracious in this way not from their surplus, but from their very sustenance they would learn to give and so be cared for. Father, I pray for Your grace to be upon them. Father, give them good homes and good lives and good children and good spouses, I pray, as they seek Your kingdom and Your righteousness. And I thank You in the name of Jesus. Amen.